Well, do you guys know those memes where it says, like, this is what people think it is versus this is what it really is? You guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, that's kind of what I feel like Christmas in New England is, where uh, what the rest of the country thinks Christmas in New England is are like those Hallmark Christmas movies, and it's like, it's snowing, but it's charming, and like, this, the street, there's no ice, there's just streets are cleared, and everyone's gathered in the common drinking hot cocoa and smiling, and there's no masks, right? It's just like this very smooth, elegant like experience versus uh, many of us that were getting up hours early to shovel snow and to snow plow. I've got awesome friends that offered, while Katie and I were actually out of town during the blizzard, it seems like every time we go out of town there's a blizzard, it just kind of works out in our favor, God's favor in my life, I guess, but uh, people coming in and, and sh shoveling, it's just a lot of work, right? It's exhausting, you, know, you might be slipping on ice. There's like this reality of what Christmas right now looks like versus what people think it is, and one of the things I just want to say is, you know, Katie and I have lived, this is our fourth winter in New England, and um, you guys are the toughest people in America, um, I'm just going to say that. I've lived in other parts of the country where, like, if it drops below 50, their toboggans are on, and they're like, you know, we're going to cancel school because it's, it's cold, and that's, that's a lot for us. But there's just grit in New England. I love it. I love spending Christmas up here with the strongest people that I know. Like, you guys buckle down when it's snow. You're, like, putting on your hats. You're like, 4 a.m., we're going out there. We don't care if it's getting dark at 3.15 in the afternoon. We're going for it. So that's what I love about being here with you guys. And and I am so excited. This is our final Sunday service of 2020. Next week, we're going to do a special Grace at Home. So there's no services in person. So make sure if you show up, just go to Subway because our doors will be locked uh, and, and watch it at home. We're going to have a live stream just like we did for six months in the middle of the year. Um, and we're going to have a special uh, message from our lead pastor, Sean, uh, to, to all of us, all Grace Church locations. It'll be really awesome. Um, but as we are in this final Sunday service, I am really excited about today's message because I feel like this message is one reminder that we all need as we're ending a very exhausting and difficult year and going in to a brand year, a brand new year together. And we're in this series called Christmas at the Movies where we're, we're taking these truths, these reminders that I think we all need right now and we're pairing them with popular Christmas movies. And it's so cool because one of the things we said, we need to be reminded of this as we wrap up the year um, we said we need a movie that matches with that, and we found like this perfect symmetry between these two. Who here has seen The Santa Claus? The Santa Claus. Tim Allen, classic 90s flick right here. Uh, it is like quintessentials 90s. It takes me back. I'm a 90s kid, which some of you are like, wow, you're way too young. Some of you are like, you're way too old. But I grew up in the 90s, and so when you watch a movie like this, like the fashion like the work culture, all it's so, it's all, like it, the cutting edge where he's like this high executive and he's got like this old like cell phone that you're like, ooh, it looks like it'd be in a museum now. Um, so th this movie, I tell you what, I'm just going to show the trailer um, and it kind of describes what's happening, what happens in the movie, and then we're going to talk about how this ties in to our faith together. So let's watch this trailer, let's step into the Santa Claus together, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump more into our teaching time. It was the night before Christmas, and children were dreaming of the presents Santa would bring. Somebody's on the roof. But this Christmas Eve... Hey, you! The unthinkable happened. You killed him! Did not. Now, this night... If something should happen to me, put on my suit, the reindeer will know what to do. It's up to them... Let's go! ...to save the day. Together, Scott Kelvin and his son Charlie take on the biggest job in the world. Looking good, Dad. Oh, oh, oh. And though it has its dangers, oh, nice teeth. Oh, 
He thought it was just the one night. You're the new Santa. I am not Santa Claus. Ah. You put on the suit, you're the big guy. What if I don't buy into this Santa Claus thing? Then there would be millions of disappointed children around the world. He doesn't want the job. It was a dream. But it's growing on him. I've gained 45 pounds in a week. Now he's getting into the spirit. Ah! You're alive. Keeps that belief in you. I want some ballet slippers. And getting ready for the biggest night of his life. How could I have done this without you, Charlie? You couldn't. Walt Disney presents a timeless tale that will warm oh. your heart. I love you, Santa Claus. I love you, son. Lift your spirits and make you believe. You really are Santa Claus. Pretty cool, huh? Share the merriment and the magic. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Tim Allen. Santa. The Santa Claus. Who here seen Santa Claus? Many of us. There's three of them, by the way, if you guys didn't know that, and they're all on Disney+. Plus. I watched the second and the third one for the first time this year, and I'm like, okay, they did not need to make these, but okay. Uh, the Santa Claus follows Scott Calvin as he takes on the responsibility of carrying on Santa's work, now that Santa has died in his front lawn, which, by the way, kind of a morbid plot. I like how we just kind of casually skip over the fact that Santa literally dies in the first 10 minutes of this movie, and he, like, melts before the... It's like a Wizard of Oz-type situation, where, like, the Wicked Witch of the West just melts, nobody cares, and he's like, all right, I'm Santa now. But that's the plot of this movie, and what makes it fun is it follows this ordinary guy putting on the Santa suit and having to learn what it means for him to be Santa, and how Christmas is now forever changed for him. Now his life was completely focused, not on himself, but on helping people all over the world. As followers of Jesus, we kind of have that same decision. When, when we make the decision to truly follow Jesus, not just to come to church, but to truly turn from the sins in our lives, the disobedience to God, our selfishness towards others, and say, I want to start a new life with Jesus. When we make that decision, and we put on the Jesus suit, we are making the decision not to live our lives for ourselves anymore, but to help people all over the world. 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says this. It says, Jesus, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. That following Jesus means that you are a completely new person with, with new responsibilities and a new life. And just like Scott Calvin becoming Santa Claus, your life has a new mission when you put on the suit. And, and it's, it's like if a team, uh, if a football player transitions to a brand new team and they put on a new jersey, they now have a new mission and it's to help a new team win. I love to watch college football and one of my things I love is to see how like an outstanding stud college player transitions to the pros because it's a totally different league, it's a different pace, you're playing for a different coach, and you may have had a certain relationship with this coach who recruited you and you played for several years, and now you're playing in a new system, and you're playing with, with somebody you might not know very well, and you're playing in a new city with new players, and you might not be the standout anymore, and they have to learn to adjust to this new mission. Like, imagine if uh, the, the Patriots played the Bucks, and I know some of us are still mourning the reality that Tom Brady is not with us any longer, rest in peace, right? But imagine if Tom Brady, even though he has a new jersey with a new mission, just for old time's sake, starts tossing the ball to Patriots players because he misses it, right? Some of you are like, that'd be amazing. We need a little bit more of that, right? But the reality is he wouldn't do that because he now plays for another team. 
Because once he put on a new jersey, he has a new mission and a new team, and that's to help the Bucks win. And, and our choice to follow Jesus means we are now playing for a new team, a team that, that views the world differently, that views people differently. And the, and the choice to follow Jesus means that you're not going back to your old way, and you're not going back to viewing the world the way you did before you made the decision to follow Jesus. Verse 16, it says this, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. And what Paul is saying here, when he says a human point of view, uh, he's saying like an ordinary, worldly point of view. He's saying how the rest of the world views him. He's saying, but when we make a decision to follow Jesus, how differently we know him now, because we, we have a brand new perspective of the world. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old self is gone. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That those who follow Jesus no longer live for themselves. See, there's a few things that change when we put on this suit. Now we see ourselves, and we see our lives, and we see the people around us almost through a new lens. We view people differently. It's no longer about what people will do for us. It's what we'll do for people. Um, I'm not a big fan of sunglasses, and uh, I have some. These are the sunglasses I own that I don't really wear, um, and uh, I don't like going to the beach because I don't like to wear sunglasses, and I don't like to wear sunglasses because when I do, uh, the whole world is dark, and like I can't see things as well. I can't read as well, and some of you are like, this is stupid. I get it, but I'm a beach squinter because I'd rather go to the beach and just squint out than put on sunglasses because when you put on sunglasses, like everything kind of changes. You now have a new tint through which you see the world. And when you follow Jesus, it's kind of like that. Like, that's what Paul's saying here. It's like you've put on a new lens, and you're now, you're seeing the same things, but you're seeing them through a different filter. You're seeing the same things as everybody around you. It's not like you're all of a sudden seeing new objects that you didn't see before you started following Jesus, but it's like now you're seeing them through the Jesus lens, and you're seeing situations different, and you're seeing crisis different, and you're seeing brokenness different, and you're seeing hurt different, and you're seeing struggle different because your faith has changed the way you see the world. When, when you really commit to God's mission, it changes your whole view. You don't view the world in terms of all the things wrong with it. See, that's what, when you're saying to view it from a human point of view, that's what most people do. But as a Christian, we now view all of the opportunities we have to live out the mission we have with the new suit we wear, because that's the new lens, that those who follow Jesus no longer look at others the same. And I think we need that reminder right now, because I think it's really easy to be negative right now, right? Be pessimistic, to point out the things that we don't have, the things that are different, the things that have gone differently, where the world's not working for us right now. It's really easy to do that. Now, maybe more than ever. I think it's always easy to do it, but I think right now more than ever, we feel like we have permission, we have the right to sulk and to complain and to be upset that this year hasn't gone the way that many of us have wanted it to go. It hasn't gone the way that any of us planned for it to go. But those who follow Jesus, we don't have to look at it the same way. And the reason this is so important is because as Christians, we take on the responsibility of continuing the mission of Christ now that he's gone. So all of the things that Jesus did, we continue. And just like when Santa died and Scott Calvin stepped in and continued that mission and that good work of helping the people around him, that's what our call is as people who choose to follow Jesus. And I think sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we kind of think, 
like, how does Jesus fit into our life and our mission, what we want to do? And it's actually the opposite. It's how do I fit into the life that Jesus lived? How do I fit into the mission that God has for me? So we can, we can complain about all the needs around us and how much God needs to intervene and do something. Or we can recognize that he's given us the task of being the ones that bring the solution. That we are the something that God has sent to do something different in the world and to make the change. I want to show another clip from uh, the Santa Claus that captures like the inconvenience of what it looks like for Scott Calvin to become Santa Claus. So watch this real quick. Check your pulse. All right. Okay. Hmm? Huh. Well, nuts. Oh, no, uh, your pulse is great. Well, I don't know, Scott. You're, you're as healthy as a horse. Yeah. Clydesdale. Okay, look, so what? You put on a little weight. A little weight? Does this look like a little weight to you? Weight can fluctuate from year to year. Fluctuate? You make it sound like I'm retaining water. I've gained 45 pounds in a week. Pete, what's happening to me? What's your diet like? Milk and cookies. Really? But I don't finish all the milk. Well, then there is your problem. Just try to cut back on the sweets, okay? (laughs) Anything else? Yeah. How fast does hair grow? Facial hair. I shave in the morning, in the afternoon, I look like this. Well, it could be a hormonal imbalance. That would explain the mood swings. Mood swings? Yeah, but look at my hair, it's turning gray. Oh, it's middle age, buddy, it happens. And with that body, you should be thankful you have hair. <laughs> look, if, if it bothers you, you can diet, and you should diet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding. Okay, uh, up with the shirt. Let's take a listen to the old ticker. Whoa. <laughs> Okay. Oh, it's cool. I love how the doctor, when he lifts up his shirt, he goes, whoa. It's a good sign, right? Uh, What makes the Santa Claus fun is how it explores, like, the, the, the resistance that, that Scott has for wanting to take on the role of Santa Claus. That it's not just this fun, he steps in and he gets all of the fame and the credit, but it shows like the rough inconvenience, the transition that he has to go through in his life in every way. Like he starts to gain weight, his hair gets, you know, ridiculous facial hair, it gets gray overnight, he can't shave it off, and it, it just shows all of the inconveniences of his new mission because it's an exciting opportunity, but it's also a ton of work. And, and it's way easier to just sit back and let Christmas come to him and just buy a few presents and be there for his family and do Christmas like the rest of us do, right? But that's not Santa's job. Santa's job is, is to take on this new mission, and what comes with that is a lot more work, a lot more sacrifice, a lot more inconvenience. And I think that tension is where a lot of us are living. 
that, that I think we want to make a difference with our lives for Jesus. But I think what holds us back is that inconvenience in the middle and the transition from, from doing the things from the human point of view, like the rest of the world does, to really doing things in a sacrificial way that God calls us to do. That's why so few people, and, and I'm not just saying the whole world, I'm saying so few people that regularly go to church actually give financially to God because it's that inconvenience, it's that pull. That's why for most people, that's kind of the final step. Like they say they're all in, but that's like the one thing that we hold on to is because we're all in, but I, I don't know about this. And, and, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. There may be reasons from your past for that. And we know that God may be nudging us, but, but we hold on. That's why so few people do. That's why so many people will come to church, but so few people serve at the church because that takes more work. It takes more work to show up early. If you've got kids, like you have to think through what are we going to do, like our morning routine. Just getting here is exhausting, right? <laughs> on a Sunday with snow, like the imagine, to imagine coming even earlier, that, that takes a lot of work. That's why so few people choose to resent versus forgive and love, because that takes more work, because that, that takes more effort, because that doesn't come naturally. It's that inconvenience that holds us back. I was a, a waiter in college. Has anybody ever been a server or a waiter at a restaurant before? It kind of changes your perspective of going out to eat, doesn't it? Like when you become a waiter, you realize how much work it is. I, I, I worked at, uh, I don't even think they're around anymore, but uh, a barbecue place called Famous Dave's, which was more in, kind of in the south. And um, I worked there for one summer. And I remember my very first shift, I saw that I was working from five to nine. And I'm like, oh, a four-hour shift. This is going to be a breeze. And by eight o'clock, I was exhausted. Like, it, it was so much more work than I thought it would be because going to a restaurant to eat, that's a lot of fun. Working at a restaurant is a lot of exhaustion because you're moving around and you're making sure every table has what they need. And if they need to send something back, you got to go back to the kitchen. And sometimes you're trying to remember two or three things that different tables need and you don't want to forget any of it. And then you're checking in. And man, by the end of the shift, even though it was just a few hours, I would just be exhausted. And that's why the shifts are shorter because they know that if you're trying to work like 10, 12 out, like that's, you're just wiped out at the end of it. I only did that for one summer, and I enjoyed doing it, but I went off to college, and I never was a waiter again, because I was like, that's a ton of work, but now, even just those few months, now that I've seen it from the other side, like when I go out to eat, I, I take that in mind, how, how much work those waiters are going into, because sometimes it seems like they're kind of bored, and there's so much more going on than what I see. That's why, uh, like, I'm always going to be like a, a good tipper because I know how much goes into it. And that's why I know, like some people think tipping is an optional thing and they have to do a good job to earn it. And then I learned, well, actually when you're a waiter, that is where your paycheck comes from. So the choice to not tip somebody means they're not getting paid for the work they're doing for you. When you do the work, it changes your perspective and you see things differently. So now every time I go out to eat, I think about that. I think about how much work is being put in the waiter. So like sometimes I'll even try to bust the table a little bit because my kids are a mess and they'll eat a muffin and instead of eating it, they just crumble it up and they stare at me and they're like, we made a mess, we're done. So I, I hate doing, I hate like leaving that for the waiter. I want to clean up because I've seen it from that perspective. See, it's way easier to go to a restaurant and let someone serve you. It's way easier to let the world serve you through life. It's way easier to like to, for Christmas, it's way easier to just let Christmas come to you than it is to be Santa, to do the work, to be on the other side of it. But that's not the job of a Christ follower, that we are God's mission. It takes work, it's inconvenient, but it's so meaningful because God has chosen us to put on his suit after Jesus died, rose, ascended to heaven, and then he says, now it's on you. 
continue what I was doing. It's going to take work. It's going to be inconvenient. There's going to be a ton of people who say that they're following me, but they don't really do the work. They don't really want to put in the inconvenience because it's hard. And he's saying, I want you to be one that's willing to push through the inconvenience, that's willing to do things that most people aren't willing to do. Because there's a lot of need in the world. And there's so few people that are willing to put in the sacrifice to get there. Verse 18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. This is the, this is the exciting part. So we are God's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us that we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Did you catch that? Like, you get to speak for God. You get to have a voice to a broken world. Not as God's authority that tells people what to do, but as God's ambassadors that remind people who God is and what he wants to do in their lives. That's why your life is so important to God. Because following Jesus is like putting on the Santa suit that we're saying, I will continue the work that Jesus began. I will live my life in a way that spreads his love and his grace and his truth to the people around me. And similar to the Santa Claus, that's easier said than done, right? It sounds great in theory that God would use our lives to make a difference in the people around us, but it comes with transformation. It comes with life change. It comes with the choice to do things that you don't want to do. It comes with the choice to resist temptation and to resist sin and to make life decisions that may not be the easiest for you, but if you're putting God first, you know that's what's best because you're agreeing to a totally different life. Like, how would you react if it was you in the Santa Claus and you were given the choice to put on the suit? Would you put it on? Because it's an exciting mission, but it comes with a lot of change and a lot of sacrifice. It's easier to just show up for Christmas, right? And here's what I found. I found a lot of us like the benefits, but not the inconveniences. We like the feeling of getting credit for doing something important, but we often aren't willing to do it solely because it's our job. That's why I always pay attention, like when, when a big corporation or, you know, a local organization, whenever they, they like give to charity and they get like one of those huge checks and they post a picture of it and they send it to everybody, they put it on Facebook, they put it on Instagram and say, I want to let you know how generous we're being. Make sure you guys see this, right? That's a lot different than someone who's quietly generous, who's doing it not for the credit, but because they know that God's given them the task of doing that. There's a lot of people in this room that are quietly generous, and I think that's the kind of generosity that Jesus calls for us to be. So you're not being generous for credit. You're not being generous so people marvel at your life. You're being generous because God called you to put on the suit. It's not about credit. It's about the responsibility we have. I love seeing the number of people in our church family who are so unbelievably generous, and the people next to them don't even realize it. They don't brag about it. They don't make a big deal of it. That's the kind of generosity that Jesus wants us to have. Scott liked the benefits of Christmas, but he didn't know if he wanted to do all the work of making Christmas happen for other people. I like Jesus and I like being Christian, but I don't know if I want to do all the work of helping others find Jesus too. But that's what comes with putting on the suit. That choosing Jesus means choosing his work and choosing to do the work of being transformed by him. 
I could go on and on with the stories of different people in this church family who I've seen make that transformation. I think of my friends Matt and Julie Brown. They don't even know I'm talking about them, so I'm bragging about them in front of all of you. They don't do it because they want credit, but I've seen them take spiritual steps together as a family. They got baptized just a few months ago, and then right after it, they said, you know, we want to get involved. We've been coming, and we've been watching the service. We've been watching church happen. Now we really want to serve, and we want to make a difference. And they show up, and they serve on our first impressions team, and they bring their three kids with them, and their three kids come early, and they hang out in the lobby. They even have a bunny they have to take care of. They got a lot going on in their lives. They got every reason to not come early and serve. They have every excuse. But you know what? They've recognized that when they went in the water, and they got baptized, and they made the proclamation that they put Jesus first, that means they're also taking on the work that comes with it. They're a part of the mission. They want to be a part of the mission, and they're willing to sacrifice for that. So when you put on the suit, you get the honor of being like the sequel to Jesus's ministry. Like you get to continue the story of being the one that might bring rescue to a friend who's completely disconnected from God, from a friend who might be struggling with depression, with anxiety, struggling to try to figure out where God fits into all of this. A family member who has so much resentment and anger towards the church because they haven't seen what God has done in your life. They haven't seen the perspective of God that you have. And you could be the ambassador. You could be the voice that brings them back to God. Final verse here, it says this, as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. That's powerful. He's saying, don't say yes to the mission, and then when it gets hard, you just hard, you just put it to the side. It's a gift, and it's an honor to be an ambassador for God, but it takes hard work. It's not the easy way out by any means. I wish it was, because this message would be way easier if it was. <laughs> I think way more people would be willing to follow Jesus if that was the easier way out of things. It's the more joyful way. It's the more purposeful way. It's the more meaningful way. It's the more eternal way. It's not the easier way. It's a gift. It's a privilege. You know, it's just a few days until Christmas. And, and my prayer is that you can all go into this new year with excitement, not dread. In fact, I think over the past few months, uh, my wife Katie and I, we've actually started to change our narrative of 2020, and we've started to just recognize more and more how good of a year this has been. All of the good things that have happened, all of the new opportunities, all the family time that we've had together that we wouldn't have, that when things slowed down, that's what we needed. And I think you can find the good in all of it, but it's your perspective. So don't go into 2021, and just because things are still closed down, just because things aren't back to normal, don't let that hold you back from what God's trying to do in your life and the good that's happening and the good that you can make a difference in the people around you. That God's story is so much bigger than what you're seeing right now. And for some of you, maybe you've never put off the old self and actually put on the Jesus suit before. And if that's you, and there's no better time than today, to trade your life apart from God to a life connected with God. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just text the word all in to the number that is on your screen. Some of you maybe made this decision during COVID, and you just never told us, and you kind of secretly said yes to Jesus. And you're not trying to be private about it. You just haven't had the opportunity to let us know. We want to celebrate that step with you. If this has been the year that you've said yes to going all in to Jesus, let us know, because we want to follow up with you, we want to pray with you. We want to help you to understand what those next steps would be. Just, just identify yourself to us so that we can help you. For some of you, like you know, that's the step you need to take. If you want 2021 to be different, it's not about what things, it's not about what the governor says. 
It's not about the vaccine. The thing that's going to make 2021 different for you is the spiritual decision to put Jesus first. So text that number if you're like, I'm, I'm finally ready. I know I've been holding back because of the inconvenience that comes with it, but I realize the mission is so much more important that the purpose that I'm missing in life, that's so worth it for the inconvenience that comes with it. For those of you that have already said yes to Jesus and you know you have, maybe there's, maybe there's some area of your life you're pulling back and you know it. And not all your chips are in the middle. And, and you're, you're all in, like you've said yes to Jesus, but you know that the, there, there's inconveniences that you haven't really handed over to God. And those are the things you're holding tightly to. And, and maybe you're struggling with the selfishness like Scott Calvin was, and, and you're, you're finding yourself struggling with what it means to, to put in the work that comes with, with putting God's mission first. Um, if that's you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We need more help here at Grace Church. We need more people that are willing to step up. Because we're seeing more and more people come back. And almost every service we've had the past four weeks has sold out, which means we're out of room, which means we need to add a third service back, which is, is tiring to think about. And I know I speak for the band and the media team when it's tiring to think of adding a third service back. And I know it's tiring for all of our coaches and all of our team leaders and all of our directors to think of what that means. And it's tiring because we need more help. Because to stretch the team that right now to another service, it's going to burn us out. We can't do it. But I also don't want to close the door to more people. And we've had people the past few weeks that have not been able to find a spot here because we don't have enough seats here because of the COVID restrictions. So what I'm asking you to do is if you're willing to finally step up, or maybe you were in the game and you stepped back because of COVID and you're ready to step back in, just text the word serve to that number and say, I'm willing to help. In January, put me on a team. Even if it's twice a month and I'm just showing up 30 minutes early and I'm greeting or I'm helping people check in or I can help with kids or you know what I kind of like standing outside with my coffee and waving at people a part of the parking team we got an awesome parking team this is official thank your parking attendant day because it's snowing out there and they're all cold and they're doing I love it if you want to be on the safety team we have so many different needs here that we need your help with we've got an awesome cleaning team and right now it's about five people that are carrying all the weight for everybody and they're cleaning our cert, they're cleaning our, our auditorium before and after each sir it looks awesome that's for you, so that you can come and have a safe environment for you and your family to come and worship. But if you're ready to step in, please text the word serve and let us know, because we need more help. And, and it's not just about meeting our need. It's about achieving the vision God has for you. And it's going to take more work. It's going to be more inconvenient. But man, when you are a part of that mission, there's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. I'll close with this final story. Um, a few years ago, I think I've shared this. I had a chance to go to uh, China um, to help uh, teach as a part of a seminary course um, pastors. About 40 pastors came from all over the area and we were in this hotel meeting room at the top floor. They didn't know that we were talking about God because they would have kicked us out if we did. Um, and we had a chance after that to go to these different home Bible studies. That's how they do church there because they can't have assemblies of more than 80 people. So they'd have these home Bible studies. It's growing like crazy. By the way, it like, it, it's, it's rapidly exploding Christianity in China because of persecution. Persecution leads to church growth, so we don't have to be afraid of it. And in China, they've seen, we've seen that for decades now. There's this one moment I'll never forget because it showed me the power of what it means to be God's ambassador. Where I came in to this room of college students. They all spoke Mandarin, and all I had was, was one translator to help me to translate with them to talk. And when I came in, they, they all stood up. 
And I said, and I, I asked the translator, I said, tell them they don't have to stand up. I'm not any different than them. We all sat down together. And I was sitting next to this college student, and he's, he's kind of like looking at the floor, and he's saying something in Mandarin over and over and over again. And I didn't know what it was, so I asked the translator, I said, what's he saying? He said, he's saying thank you. I said, why is he telling me thank you? He said, he's not. He's telling God thank you that you came. It means a lot that you're here because it was validation to them that someone would be willing to come from another part of the world, especially the States, teach the Bible to them. It reminded me in that moment the power we have as an ambassador of God, as a partner with God, that this isn't just God needs more helpers, we need more help. This is the power that God can make through our life to make a difference in someone else, that the way you live can make such a difference in someone's life because they are actually seeing and feeling God's presence just because you're there. And they thank God for it. That's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live that life in such a way that I don't have to fly to an underchurch part of the world to experience that because I have chosen to put God's mission first and the inconveniences, and the work that comes with it. And God's ambassador has put that mission first going into 2020. Let's pray together. God, I recognize that everything changes when you put on the suit, that the way that I view the world changes, the way we view the world changes, the way we view the needs of the people around us change, the way that that we view crisis changes, God. And I just pray that you compel our hearts right now, not out of guilt, but out of excitement, God, that you want to use us, you want to use me to be an ambassador for you, to bring your love and your grace to the people around us, God. May I live in such a way that the people around me are just thankful that I'm in their life, not because of what I've done, but because what you have done through me, God. Help us put in the work that we need in order to position our lives for transformation. God, if you're nudging people to step up and serve, I pray that they do. God, if you're nudging people to lay down an area of their life, I pray that they do. God, if there's anybody in this room that's ready to go all in, I pray just right now, they pray a simple prayer to you in their own words, in their heart, saying, God, I'm just asking you to forgive me. I want to put you first. Forgive me for the sin in my life. Help me to truly put you first this week and in 2021. Come into my life, God. I want to be a part of this mission. I want to make a difference for you in the lives of the people around me, God. Help me to be more generous. Help me to not be afraid of the inconveniences. Give me strength. Give me grit. Whatever it takes to do what you have for my life, God. Help me to do it. I pray this in your name. Amen.